Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you've got a thirst for knowledge that never quits, Brightside podcasts are just what you need. Whether you're into recent discoveries, space exploration, true stories, or useful tips for self-improvement, psychology, gadgets, or just your day-to-day routine, there's something for everyone. So imagine you're an astronaut on the International Space Station, looking out the window, and you're craving a pizza. Pepperoni. Cheesy. Mmm. Let's say it's possible to order delivery. What would that bill look like? I'll just put it this way. Sending one pound of cargo into space costs about $10,000, not including tip. So how do space agencies afford to send supplies like oxygen, water, and food to their astronauts? Well. Do they send it with the crew? Before they found a more efficient solution, they'd pack all the water into space with them in the rockets. The water took up a lot of room that could otherwise have been used for other supplies. That and the added weight wasted fuel. So short answer, no, it doesn't go with the crew from the get-go. That means they'd deliver it, right? Eh, that would be too risky and expensive. There's no 100% guarantee that something bad won't happen to the cargo ship at launch or on the way to the International Space Station. Like, uh, space pirates? Hmm. If the cargo doesn't get to the station, then the next delivery will have to wait a very long time. That's not an option since it's dangerous for the astronauts. Okay, so let's break it down item by item. First, where do astronauts get their water? The primary source of water for the crew is the astronauts themselves. Whether it's drops of sweat, condensation from breathing, or going to the toilet, all this water gets processed through complex filtering systems. When it comes out, it's clean, drinkable water. Yeah, you heard that right. Astronauts recycle their own bodies H2O. In fact, 85% of their tinkle can be turned into clean water. Water in separate cargo deliveries is still sent to the ISS. But with the invention of the Onboard Water Treatment System, WRS, everything has become much simpler. And with the help of a process called electrolysis, they've learned how to extract the necessary reserves of oxygen from the water itself. But more on that here in a bit. For now, let's see how the WRS works. The astronaut goes to the toilet and flushes it all down. The... Pardon me, the liquid contents fall into a compartment that rotates very quickly and works like a centrifuge. This centrifuge is then heated. Under pressure and high temperature, the liquid evaporates and collects condensation in an external chamber. From there, the condensed water enters a tank. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. 
all other moisture from the ISS, sweat and exhaled air, goes into this same tank. From there, the water enters a separator, where the liquid is cleaned of odors. After going through several levels of filtration, it gets heated once again and disinfected. And presto! Clean water is ready! After knowing that, do you think you could live on the ISS? Let me know down in the comments. Okay, moving on to oxygen. Ah, the question of the day. Like I briefly mentioned, they can get oxygen from that same water. Remember your chemistry classes in school? Oxygen is the O part of H2O. Here's how they do it. An electric current is passed through water molecules to break them down. This process is called electrolysis. So after that, you've got two hydrogen atoms and one pure oxygen atom. They collect those now separated oxygen molecules in special cylinders, and astronauts can breathe easy. But where do the remaining hydrogen molecules go? They're also used to the maximum benefit of the entire crew. Through something called the Sabatier reaction, they mix the hydrogen with carbon dioxide, the stuff you're breathing out right now, to create water. Incredible, right? So, the ISS is completely independent of the Earth as far as its water and air reserves go? Unfortunately not. Thanks to this complex system, it's possible to produce a little over 4 pounds of oxygen per day. That's only enough for two people. The ISS crew usually consists of six. So to make up the difference, oxygen is delivered from Earth. So what about food? Here, the ISS is completely dependent on supplies delivered from Earth. All those freeze-dried packets of astronaut food go along with the crew when they head to the station, or a separate cargo is sent. But you'd be surprised by the number of options they have. According to NASA, astronauts dine on fruits, nuts, chicken, beef, seafood, candy, and even brownies. They also have coffee, tea, juices, and lemonade. But why can't they plant an indoor garden on the station to eat fresh fruits and veggies? Well, it's not as easy as it sounds. How can plants grow in the vastly different conditions of outer space? There's no gravity. Day and night are all over the place. The ISS sees 16 sunrises and sunsets each day. The air is dry, it's cold. Plus, the ISS might be as long as a football field, but it's not like they have a lot of room for a sprawling garden. Well, the good news is, they've already figured out a solution to all this, and astronauts are growing food up there. In 2015, members of the 44th ISS crew ate lettuce that was fully grown on board. The seeds had been sent from Earth. Once in the station, they were put in a veggie box with red, blue, and green lamps that each provided a certain growing condition for the seeds. The experiment was successful, and the astronauts even said that the lettuce tasted exactly the same as it does on Earth. Their next crop idea? Tomatoes and cucumbers to go with that space salad. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do they do with their trash? Well, just like you and me, astronauts have garbage too. Disposable utensils, used towels, raw materials, empty food packets, you name it. 
You'd think they could just chuck it out into the endless void of space. But that would be littering. Whenever they get a delivery, the cargo ship is docked to the station. The astronauts get what they need from it, and then they load this ship with their trash. After a few weeks, the supply vehicle is disconnected from the station, and it heads back to Earth. It might make it to the surface or burn up in the atmosphere. But in short, astronauts don't litter. Then where does space debris come from? Right now, there are tons of satellites floating around the Earth. You have them to thank for your GPS or satellite TV. But there are so many of these things up there that they sometimes crash into each other. Their remains create space trash. In addition to them, the uncoupled parts of launch vehicles become garbage too. This garbage, seemingly harmless, soaring in outer space, is a serious threat to the ISS. Even a dime-sized fragment of a satellite can penetrate the station's casing and lead to major problems. In all of the ISS's 21 years, the station carried out 25 maneuvers to evade space debris. Plus, the station is covered with protective plates that guard against a tiny piece of debris shredding through it. From the ISS to Mars The cool thing about the International Space Station becoming more and more self-sufficient is that it's almost like a trial for larger missions in the future. I'm talking about colonizing the red planet, baby. Instead of being a mere 250 miles from Earth, we'd be 140 million miles from home. That means deliveries and trash dumps won't be an option. So what will they do with their garbage? Two words. Waste recycling. The plan is to process all garbage using the liquid combustion system. Simply put, organic and inorganic waste would be collected, crushed, and mixed with hydrogen peroxide. After a day, an electric current is passed through this mass, and the oxidation reaction starts. All the garbage will be stored in a device where they'll put a colony of microorganisms. They'll eat the trash and emit free electrons as a byproduct. Electrodes and a battery will be connected to the device, which will accumulate energy. You know what all that means? Scientists have learned how to recycle garbage and turn it into electricity with the help of germs. That battery can hold a charge of 400 hours, after which the bacteria will need to be replaced. If all this just sounds hypothetical, they've already pulled it off here on Earth in terrestrial conditions. The next step is to try it out in space. Besides creating electricity with the help of bacteria, recycling waste will also be good for gardening, since it'll contain nutrients and minerals for the plants.